Morning, everyone. As James mentioned in the announcements, we are finishing up our series on leadership, leading like Jesus. And in fact, next week, you got to come back. Pastor Mike will be here and he will be starting this three-week series on discipleship. And really, what does it mean to follow Jesus in today's world? But today, we're going to be looking at one aspect of leadership that, that often gets, I think, neglected a little bit because whenever we talk about leading people, you know, towards a common goal or vision, a lot of times we look at ourselves and we look at our abilities that we have, our spiritual gifts. But today we're going to be looking at how our experiences can be used in powerful ways to lead people around us. Our experiences. And whenever I say experiences in life, uh, I'm talking about we can look back in our life and we can identify that there have been some really good times in our life. There have been times where we can celebrate and, and we've had victories, we've had successes. This could be things like pr- getting promoted at a job. It could be like uh, experiencing childbirth. It could be those kinds of things. But, but also, though, we're talking about all experiences in your life, your past experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly. And our main verse that we're going to be looking at today is, is Romans 8.28. Now, Romans 8.28 is kind of like your, your bumper sticker, coffee mug Bible verse, if ever there was one. And because this is so familiar, and it's a great verse to memorize, and it really is a good verse, I think, to put on a coffee mug or something, but because it's so powerful, and we're, that's why we're talking about it today, we're going to break it down. But I want to also mention that because it's so widely used out there, that it's also very widely misunderstood. I mean, I've heard people put things into this verse that aren't there. I've heard people rip it out of its context and say things that it just certainly does not say. And so what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at what this verse says and actually what it doesn't say. So let's break it down a little bit. Here's what Romans 8.28 says. It first starts off by saying, it says this. It says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So break it down for a second. The first two words here are, we know. Now, I love that word know because there's certainty with it, right? There's, it's not uh, we guess, we maybe desire, but rather it's simply we know. And this is a faith statement. It really is like the way that Hebrews talks about faith, being certain of the things that we cannot see. And so, so Romans 8.28 starts off with a statement of faith saying we know these things. Then the second thing that it says here is we say, it says this. It says we know that in all things, in all. And in fact, I was curious what the word for in the actual Greek was for the word all, and I looked it up, even in this big, thick, like 3,000-page dictionary. And you know what the translation for it was? It was simply all. <laughs> and it even had a comma that said everything or, or all circumstances. In other words, it is everything. And so the reason this is, this is actually really important is because Romans 8.28 says that we know that in all things— and this is huge. So if you got your notes, circle the word all. And, and we're going to unpack this because whenever we talk about all things, we're talking about the good, the bad, the ugly. The things that we can look back in our life. 
the stupid mistakes that we've made, the, the regrets, the ones that, that, that yes, that were, that were great, that we think about all the time and we celebrate those things, but they could also be the things that we look back on and, and we have shame around, we have regrets. We wish more than anything we can go back and do it differently. Those could be some of our stupid mistakes, our failures, our sins. They could be horrific things that were a part of or that happened to us. Things like divorce, miscarriage, unemployment, abuse, cancer, bankruptcy. And whenever Paul is saying this here, that God will work all things, is he talking about those things? And the answer is yes. So he is talking about the good, but he's also talking about the bad, the ugly. And here's the thing, all includes evil things that happen. And what we have to remember in this is that God is not the author of evil. Evil, And some people say that. Some people say, well, that's just God's will. No, it is not God's will whenever evil happens. In fact, God grieves whenever he sees evil. He grieves whenever he sees people. He commands them in the Bible, clear as day. I mean, some commandments are so simple, right? There is no confusion around them. And yet, here we are, we look at him, we want to do our own thing instead. We reject God and his commandments so many times. And whenever that happens, that's not God's will. That is something that God grieves. So the question is, why is there evil? Why is there sin? Why is there pain and suffering in this world if God is not the author of it and he doesn't desire it? And the short answer, to sum it up in like a few seconds here, is because of free will. You see, the other choice would be for God to control you. He could. He could program you. You could be a robot. And none of us would like that. And none of that, by the way, is going to be an authentic relationship with God, right? Because if, if we're just simply programmed robots and our only choice, we have no ability to reject him, then it's actually like some sort of spiritual jail that he puts us in. And God does not want to do that. And so he does. He gives us the ability to, to choose differently, to reject him. And it grieves him whenever people do it, but that's what God has created. He has given you this ability of free will. And because of that, people are going to do evil things because of our sinful nature, because of temptation, because of Satan. And so God in this verse is saying that he can work all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, all right, your mistakes, sinful things. He can, he can work all these things for, which is this next section here, is that he can work all these things for the good of those who love him. In other words, that there is a designer. There is a grand plan for your life. Your life is not an accident. Your life is, in fact, there really is no such thing in this case because of this verse. There's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as, as random chance. See, what God is working here is he is working for the good, for the good. See, God actually hates darkness so much that he promises to bring light out of it. He hates evil so much that he promises to bring good out of it. He hates crucifixion so much that he promises to bring resurrections. And then we have this last part here, which is those who love him. Notice that this promise here is not for everyone in the world. It is for those who love him. It's for those who receive him into their lives, for those who love him. 
And actually, this makes a lot of sense when we think about it, because for anyone who looks at God and shakes their fist at God and says, God, I want nothing to do with you. Get out of my life. Then what they're effectively doing here is that they're denying their creator the right to lead their life. And as a result, they're ignoring God's purpose in their life. They're short-circuiting it in that way. After all, whenever God is absent, Satan is very present. So this promise here, and this is one that's misused, is that it's not for everyone, but rather it is for those who, are, who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So here's the thing. Whenever we look at our past experiences, what we can realize here is that we can realize that, well, they can actually be helpful for today and for moving forward in the future because we can learn from them. We can grow from them, right? And also they can benefit other people as we're going to talk about here in a little bit. So what God can do is he can take our mess and make it into a message. He can take a test and turn it into a testimony, a a crisis, and shine Christ through it. He can take a mystery, and he can make it into a miracle. Or, Or we can actually choose to not do any of those things. We can actually choose to just simply take our past experiences and to work hard to bury them in the past, not deal with them, not learn from them, not share them. And as a result, then, your experiences are just simply in the past, and they're just, it's just a waste. And so what God is calling us today is to actually take our past experiences and moving forward to be able to use them and allow God to use them in powerful ways. So how we do that is three things. The first one here is to embrace your experience. After all, if we're going to deal with our past, that's the first thing that we have to do, right? We actually have to embrace it. Now, there's such a temptation to bury it, to hide it, to never want to think about it, to to never let anyone know about it, because after all, there's some skeletons in our closets, and, and maybe there's some things that we're embarrassed of, and it's, it's uncomfortable to deal with. It's uncomfortable to talk about. But if we're going to actually take them and use them, then the first step really is that we got to actually embrace it. We got to call it what it is. Say, yes, this really happened to me. Yes, I really did do this. We have to own up to it. Galatians 3 says this. He says, you have experienced many things. Were all of these experiences wasted? I hope not. In this context, by the way, is in the context of, of suffering, about how you've experienced many things, many difficult things, but, but are they f- for nothing? Are they wasted? I hope not. In other words, that it does have a potential to be wasted. So here's the thing also, not only do some people try to cover up their past, but well, they also try to rewrite their past, and they get to say, say oh, well, um, no, I never did that. No, I was never part of that. No, that never happened to me. And so what they'll try to do is just to rewrite their story. And psychologists would simply call that denial <laughs> because, because it's acknowledging, it's trying to um, redo something that, that happened. And we got to actually acknowledge it. We got to own up to it. So here's the thing, you may not have had the greatest parents, you may have struggled in school, you may have been rejected from the hockey team like Happy Gilmore every year and have to retry out every year. But here's the thing, that, so what? We need to own up to our, to our past. 
Deuteronomy 11.2, it says this, remember what you have learned about the Lord through your experiences with him. To remember what you have learned. And really, whenever I think of this, I think of Joseph in the Bible. Now, Joseph, he had a pretty wild story. If you're unfamiliar with it, really, go home and read the end of the book of Genesis. It's a pretty wild story um, about how Joseph was picked on by his brothers. And whenever I say picked on by his brothers, um, they really, really, really did not like him. And so they had a discussion. Should we kill him or should we sell him into slavery? That was their discussion. (laughs) And so they ended up, well, we can profit if we sell him into slavery. So they did. And so here he is. He's sold to a caravan going to, to Egypt and and so not only was he rejected by his brothers and, and beaten up and thrown into a ditch and then sold into slavery, but then whenever he's in Egypt and, and he's working that he gets falsely accused for harassment and so then he gets thrown into jail. And whenever I say jail, it was more like a, a dungeon at that point. And so here he is, he's in a dungeon. And yet here's the crazy thing. All of those experiences, which we can all look at and acknowledge, those are terrible things to happen to him. I, I mean, those, those are awful. Those are evil things. His brothers intended evil for him. Whenever he was falsely accused, that is evil. Whenever he is jailed, whenever he was going through that, these are, these are hard things. And yet, what Joseph recognizes at the end of the story is that Joseph is second in command in Egypt, right next to Pharaoh. And so God actually used all of these things to be able to work it in such a way, to orchestrate it in such a way that he became second in command in Egypt. And so whenever he is confronted with his brothers because they go from Canaan to Egypt and he actually talks to them and confronts them, one of the things that that Joseph says to his brothers, and this is just great hindsight to look back on his life, a great perspective. He said this, he said that you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And really, that's what Romans 8 is all about, is that God can take all things and work them in such a way for the good of those who love him. So our first step here is to embrace our experiences. The second one here, to keep with the theme of the letter E, is to extract our experiences. See, here's the thing. Learning from your mistakes is not automatic. You can keep making a mistake and never learn from it and make it over and over and over. You could if you wanted to. But instead, we need to actually just pause for a second and reflect and say, you know what? What what went wrong? How did I end up here? And then what can I do differently in the future so that way I don't end back here? 2 Corinthians 13 says, examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you're holding to your faith. Do you not realize by an ever-increasing experience that Jesus Christ is in you? See, what Paul is actually saying is here, don't you realize that you're not alone? In fact, not only are you not alone, but if you believe in Jesus, then he is actually in you. And if, if you haven't realized that, it's because you're not paying attention and you need to learn from that experience. Socrates said that the unexamined life isn't worth living. And here's the thing about the school of experience. The school of experience is that if you fail the test, guess what? You get to repeat the test until you finally pass. 
And some of us may have to take that test over and over and over again until you finally learn from it. And also the thing with the school of experience is that once you think that you've graduated, it turns out there's a new course to learn, all right? But that's what it is, is that we need to actually learn from our past. Then our third thing that we're going to do here is that we're going to employ them to help others. See, whenever you realize that, that your purpose is greater than you, than your own happiness, then what you get to realize here is you get to realize that, that you get to use, you get to allow God to use you for this greater purpose to help other people. And it really makes our problems, well, a lot easier to handle because we have now a different perspective. See, Paul wrote this to the Christians in Philippi. He said this, he said, I want you to know, my friends, that the things that have happened to me have actually helped the progress of the gospel. So one of the things that Paul is saying here is he's saying the things that, that I've experienced, I now get to be used by God for those things to share the gospel. And if we do look at Paul, we can see that while his ministry, he experienced some highs and he experienced some lows. I mean, after all, he was, he was one who looked at the Roman Greco world and said, you know what, there's so many people out there who don't know about this resurrected Jesus. And so I'm going to go tell them. And so he would travel on foot with his, with his friends, and then they would get in a boat, and they would sail across the Mediterranean. And, and they really wanted the whole Roman Greco world to know. And they saw the craziest things happen. I mean, the Holy Spirit on the move doing incredible ministry, changing lives. But Paul also experienced a lot of difficult things. After all, for proclaiming the gospel, he was beaten. He was imprisoned, actually, in Philippi. Whenever he had to spend the night in this dungeon jail, the jailer um, wasn't even commanded to do it. He was just commanded to keep Paul there. But this jailer decided to torture him and put him in these stocks and twist his body in such a way that he was being tortured. He experienced that. He experienced snake bite. He experienced shipwreck. And yet what Paul is saying here is he's saying that, hey, I recognize that all of these experiences have happened for the ultimate goal of spreading the gospel. And I see how God used all of these things, the, the shipwreck, the, um, the spending the night in jail. Uh, I, I mean, Paul was saying, I recognize that God used all of these experiences to help minister to others over the Roman Greco world. And that's our final blank here. Well, that's what God is calling you, to use your experiences to minister to people. Second Corinthians says this, it says, in our trouble, God has comforted us. This too is to help you to show you from our personal experience how God will tenderly comfort you when you undergo these same sufferings. He will give you the strength to endure. So in other words, that God will take you to, but also through your problems, he will give you strength and comfort so that once you get through them, now you can use that to minister to others and help and comfort and support other people who are going through the same thing. By the way, you are the most uniquely qualified person to be able to help someone come out of a struggle that you've had. In fact, I can tell you that whenever I talk to people, teenagers and, and other people in my life, 
and they're going through an experience that I've never experienced before, I can empathize with them for sure, but, but I don't really know what it's like to be in their shoes. And so what I'll do is I'll find someone who has been through that situation and I'll connect them and give them a call so that way this other person can help use their experience to minister to the person that's in need. Because it brings such hope. Whenever people seek, because the problem with a difficult time in people's life is that they think that this is it. This is the end all be all. There's no way out. And what they have to realize is a few things, that, that this is temporary, um, but also that there's a, there's a path forward. There's a way that you don't have to continue to live like this and that Jesus can help you. All of these things are true. And so whenever they get to hear a story or they get to talk to someone who has been there, done that, but also has come out of it, then all of a sudden they start to realize that, wait, this isn't, this isn't it. And now I see how God can help me out of this. I, I think of, for example, my, my friend Mia, who has um, unfortunately just some pretty difficult experiences in her past. And what's crazy about it is that a few years ago, she decided that she wanted to start writing music. And she wanted to use music as a way to share her testimony and to help people. And so sure enough, she, she's been able to do that, that, that people really resonated with it, almost to her surprise that, that they would hear it and they would say, you know what, you know, because you wrote that song and these words that, that now I understand that what I'm going through, God can help me in this situation. And then she uh, has a platform now to be able to share that music and to, to speak. And whenever I've brought teenagers to these events, that, that they'll, they'll be ministered to it. All because she made a decision. And she could have made the decision, like a lot of us have made, really, where we just simply want to keep the past in the past. Let's not deal with it. Let's not embrace it. Let's not extract it. Let's not employ it to others. But, but she actually did. She consciously made this decision a few years ago that she actually wanted to be able to use her experiences and allow God to use her experiences to help other people. And because she did that, then now she gets to minister to people. And so really, as you're on Facebook and you see someone post something, send them a message, even if you don't know them. Send them a message to say, hey, you know what? I, I've been there too. Or I know someone who's been in there. Uh, think of people in your life that, that if you hear of someone who is going through something you've heard of, reach out to them, but actually make that step to reach out to them and allow God to use your story. Allow it does not define you, but it is part of your story and God can use it. And the other thing that you can share with them really is this hope, this hope in Jesus. Because sometimes whenever people are going through something difficult, they, they really believe that, that there is no power, that there is no victory in life, but this is, this is it. And this is what I'm destined to experience. And what we get to point them towards is we get to point them towards Jesus and the cross and remind them of the victory that Jesus has. To, to say, not only can God bring comfort and healing to the situation, but he can bring victory. He can get you through this. Because after all, whenever Jesus died on the cross, he defeated Satan and sin and death. He was victorious on the cross. And that we get to point people to that. And this is what Jesus had said. I'll close with this last verse right here. 
Jesus says this to his disciples. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. So God actually promises difficult times in your life. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Dear God, indeed, we thank you for bringing us together here. This time that we get to be in your presence to worship you, to proclaim your gospel into this world. And Lord, also, it's a chance to pause out of our busy week and our Sunday here to be able to look at this whole area of our past experiences and to be able to see how how the good, the bad, the ugly, all things, Lord, that we want all things to be worked for your glory, for the good of those who love you. And so, God, we pray that we can embrace our past experiences, that we can extract them, that we can employ them to others so that way our experiences are not wasted but rather used. And all this we pray, amen.